Hello everyone, welcome back to the Flight Test Podcast. Uh, my name is James Wormsley. This is the podcast where we talk to people from around the world of aviation about topics that entertain, educate and elevate. This week I'm joined by a prevalent member of the FT community to talk about his gigantic XB70 Valkyrie project. It is, of course, Ben Harbour. For those who don't know about the Valkyrie, um, you should probably check out the article which goes along with this podcast, uh, just so that you know the sort of what we're talking about really <laughs> and what what the plane looks like um so yeah a bit of background the xb-70 was a nuclear bomber prototype uh, built by the u.s air force first flew in 1964 but it was cancelled and i think there were only two made um but yeah ben's been building one of these well he he, he had built one of these um last year um and yeah we're, we're going to be talking about this huge uh, model airplane project i think the it was like eight feet long he said uh something like that anyway yes we're going to talk about all of this uh in just a moment first though before we jump into the conversation we should probably mention that this episode of the flight test podcast has been sponsored by skillshare uh, skillshare is an online learning community where you can learn about anything from physics to you know aircraft design i'm sure there's loads of stuff like that on there um Within the site, you'll find over 25,000 different online courses, um, and yeah, you, you should you should check it out. It's uh, There's a link um, in the description of this podcast, or in the show notes, whatever they're called, uh, www.flighttest.com forward slash Skillshare. Oh yes, and also we should probably mention that uh, there's a new flight test kit out, so if you've not uh, noticed already, we have released a new... Uh, Warbird kit, which is of the Corsair, uh, Corsair, Cor- Corsair. I don't, I don't know how. To, I think it's pronounced like that. I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> I've always, maybe I've been saying it wrong my whole life. But yeah, there's a new Corsair kit. Um, it's a big one, and it's very special because it's the first of our uh, Master Series kits. Um, now, yeah, that's that's exciting, isn't it? We're doing some more advanced stuff with some brand new techniques. So yeah, make sure you check that out. Personally, I cannot wait to get my hands on one of these and to fly it. Uh, I've not flown it yet, but I'm yeah, I'm dying to fly it because it looks like a great flying warbird. And uh, yeah, these foam boards planes that they're just so good. I mean, just in general, like you know, there's no intimidation really. Um, and yeah, they're just fantastic. So check that out. Uh, it's available on the store right now. All right, let's uh, let's jump into the podcast. Let's roll the introduction and get talking to Ben. Let's do it. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm here with Ben. And uh, hi, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, James? Good. I'm very well. It's nice to have you on the podcast. Uh, we've yeah, been meaning thanks to... for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, we've been meaning to do this for a, um, a long time. So I'm sorry that it's taken so long to get around to doing it. But yeah, it's nice to have you on and to talk about your epic projects. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about them. Um, so as mentioned in the introduction, um, we're going to be talking about the Valkyrie project quite a lot, but I thought that, um, as we do usually on this on this podcast, we'll start with 
um, your background in RC and and all of that, and um, yeah, just to just to give the the listeners a flavour of of where this all started for you. Um, so yeah, how how did how did this all start? Did you uh, did you get a first plane and and just take straight off? Uh, tell us about the, the first sort of. experiences. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I started um, flying. I guess my first RC experience was in actually slope soaring gliders. Um, oh, okay. So no motors, just you know, you and the wind on a hill. Mm. And um, there's a hill nearby uh, where I used to live, and it was called the Bluffs, and uh, there was some guys out there flying and we noticed they were flying this, um, this, well, you know, foam, you know, sloper that looked kind of like an A-10. So it's just big square wing and goalpost looking tails. Yeah. And, uh, they were, they were, uh, flying slope combat. So they were just trying to knock each other out of the sky, which anyone who's been to flight fest is familiar with combat, but, um, Obviously, I had never seen much of, you know, RC before and certainly had, you know, seen full contact combat with airplanes with no motors. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they would just sort of bounce off each other and, you know, or bounce off the hill because they're made of styrofoam. But this is before, like, EPP and all the other foam that we that we have today. But mm-hmm. um, And so there was a guy down the street who just cut the kits um, in his garage. So my dad uh, got me that first kit and... Um, that kind of started, started that road. I got a little bit into, um, powered, um, which back then was mostly, uh, I mean, 95% gas, um, electric hadn't really gotten to the point where it was really viable for RC planes yet. Yeah. Um, this is, this is back in like mid nineties. Okay. Um, mm. so, uh, so I got my, uh, a stick 40, you know, balsa trainer, and uh, built that, had to go, you know, balsa build experience and uh, got, had to get all the gas set up and glow plugs and all that stuff and took it out to a field, had a guy fly it or maiden it for me because I'd never um, flew anything with landing gear or a motor. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that would have been so quite Everything a step. in slope is, you know, hand launch and belly land. Yeah. Um, and so he took it off. I flew it. He landed it for me. It was fine. And then the next time I took it out by myself, um, a tree ate it. Oh. Uh, I hold to that. I did not crash it into a tree. The tree jumped out and grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then after that, I was like, no, I'm not rebuilding that. Because um, that those are those are intensive. I mean, people know nowadays, you know, if you've seen a balsa build, it's it turns into toothpicks after a crash. Usually it's... Um, yeah, I mean, they don't all do that. They don't all do that, but yeah, um, there's, sometimes there's quite a, um, a scene of devastation after. <laughs> yeah, after a yeah, so uh, crash. that kind of redirected me, and um, plus then I kind of went to school and you know went and did other things, mm-hmm. um, and then I guess that's sort of the beginning. And then you know years later, when flight test came on the scene, um, I uh, I saw them first. Um, my first like introduction to flight tested like channel was um seeing i first saw david vindasol's um rc uh, or fpv glider to space and back oh yeah that was a great project and somehow that was then you know one of the related videos linked then to flight test Mm -hmm. and uh and so then i got 
you know, hooked into the, the flight test. And, I, and then I was like, oh, foam board and hot glue. I know those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they seem more and, accessible, really, don't they, to, to rebuilding yeah, a full balsa wood plane or something, yeah. That is really where the, the rabbit hole started mm. um, for me and for me in flight tests. Um, but aviation in general, I've always been doomed uh, or blessed to, to be in it because my grandfather worked for Douglas Aircraft uh, and then worked did stuff for NASA and then became a flight instructor. My mom got her pilot's license, um, although she doesn't fly now. Yeah. And then my, my grandpa taught my dad to fly. And my dad also worked for uh, McDonnell Douglas. And then my grandpa taught me to fly. And so I, airplanes are in my blood. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Almost literally. That sounds like quite a, uh, yeah. Family, um, dynasty of, of aviation enthusiasts <laughs> it's yeah, yeah that's yeah that's really cool to hear so do, am i right in thinking that you you work in the aviation sphere of things uh, full-time i do so what's what do. do you do i work i work for uh for the boeing company and i work in uh sort of the middle division between um not commercial or or defense i work for boeing research and technology uh, doing doing research aircraft um, or, or designing them really. Uh, I work in a, a field called configuration, where it's my job to sort of draw the whole airplane uh, mm-hmm. and get input from the people who really know their stuff in the specific fields, like propulsion and mass properties and structures. And yeah. um, I have to sort of pull all the stuff together and make the whole airplane come together and make everyone equally unhappy <laughs> uh, on the design team because no one ever gets everything they want. That's that's the saying anyways. Yeah, that sounds really so, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it really mimics quite closely, um, you know, the kind of thing that you'd be doing uh, when you're starting a new uh, either foam board build or any kind of new design that you want to come up with. Uh, you've got to think about all the different aspects of what, you know, the airplane needs and then put it together. So yeah, the differences, you know, at work, I have a team for that. And I mean, I'm on the team. It's not like <laughs> I'm not in charge of them, <laughs> but yeah, that's, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That, that sounds like, um, an interesting role. I've, I didn't know that that sort of thing existed where there would be one, team as such um who would work on the overall sort of architecture of the aircraft i thought it was more bringing all of the little components together but i suppose it makes sense that you do want someone who knows exactly what the whole plane's going to look like or you know the rough the rough idea of the whole concept yeah, yeah. and there and and honestly i didn't either uh, i didn't even know that configurator as a word was a job description uh, <laughs> until like i was uh, i was working at boeing for a while and i'm you know, through a series of events, I came up and I met this guy who was a configurator. And I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a configurator. And I said, uh, what? <laughs> and he explained. And, and I said, well, that's what I, that's what I do at home with, you know, X plane flight sims and, and RC planes. Mm. And that sounds like a great thing to have for a job. And, and so it, it's more, they do have configuration stuff in, uh, at the program level. Like when you have an airplane, that's really more already you know getting towards production but uh it really is uh what the kind of the way it looks you know in in the way i do it is more geared towards the early you know research uh level yeah stuff so you know most of the stuff that i do at work um doesn't make its way to reality 
at least for several years or decades in some cases. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we do, it's uh, it's early concept and usually so, like part of what we'll do will end up on a future plane, you know. So this, yeah. you know, technology or something is something that we sort of uh, matured and, uh, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, so do, do you think that, um, that this has helped you, um, this career has helped you do all these big projects like the Valkyrie? Um, do you think that you've taken away, you know, certain, uh, I don't know, skill sets and things like that that you can then apply to the RC hobby? Definitely. I've learned a lot from the propulsion uh, people on my team about how real, like, full-scale, you know, turbojet and turbofan uh, principles uh, for intake and exhaust and stuff, how those can relate um, in, in principle to what we do uh, in, at the RC scale. And obviously there's a lot of things that don't apply because we don't have you know, high pressure gases and you know, yeah. temperatures and expanding you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. But some of the basic principles of you know, nozzle flow areas and mm. uh, and things like that uh, certainly apply and helps you get an understanding for more of the details of what's going on uh, yeah. in, a, in a certain system. Cool. So um, we mentioned the Valkyrie build just then. Um, and for those who don't know exactly what we're talking about, do you want to tell them uh, about the, the project and uh, basically the, the whole story, how, how it came about and um, sure. what happened? <laughs> yeah, so... For a while, I had been doing, you know, different jet projects. Uh, I did, my first one was the A4, and then I did, I think, um, an F5. And then at FlyFest West 2017, I brought a C17 uh, to, that, to that one. And, um, and so that was my first, like, kind of bigger multi-engine build. Yeah, that one looks amazing, and, man. Uh, it looks so cool. Looks, thank you. Thank yeah. you. That, was, that was really fun. Yeah, it was a great looking I model. Go, I could tell a whole other, you know, hour long story. About that <laughs> kind of thing, but yeah, um, the then I kind of, you know, I did an F4 and I did some other things and I got it in my head to do something bigger, um, you know, bigger than the C17 and, and bigger than my other jets, um, but still out of foam board. And I had it in my head that I wanted to do this, something big that would show, uh, you know, you can do something big and crazy, uh, <laughs> even even in foam board. And uh, because a lot of people with the bigger projects and and in RC, when you get to a certain size or scale, it it kind of then shifts to either balsa and fiberglass or you know a mixture of those more quote unquote advanced materials. Yeah. And and I wanted to show you know you could still do big and crazy and fun and and it's still viable and it, you can still use, you know, foam board and hot glue, maybe a little bit of paint stick reinforcement here and there. Um, but you can still use these very approachable materials and do crazy, um, and not just silly, but something, you know, even more, uh, more, uh, substantial, you know? Yeah. And so I sort of, uh, just the way I would pitch a project at work, I actually made a, a PowerPoint <laughs> with some <laughs> slides and stuff and, to sort of collect my thoughts, and I, I got a time where I could get Josh Bixler on a on a FaceTime chat, and uh, I barely got it, you know, 
sort of the idea out of my mouth. And as soon as I said Valkyrie and showed him a picture of what I wanted to do, he said, uh, what do you need? Let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause it was a, because it was a sponsored project in the end, wasn't it? With, um, it was, yeah. yeah. That, and that was sort of the beginning of that where, uh, I knew I could probably do it on my own, but it would probably take me a year and a half <laughs> to, <clears throat> between saving up, uh, for components and, and, you know, sort of collecting all the things. And, and I thought, well, I want to do this sort of to show people more of what you can do with the flight test style. Maybe flight test wants to be involved and, yeah. and he did. And, and it was, it was awesome. So they, they sponsored uh, me with the motor, pretty much, you know, all the electronics and, and, and a lot of the hardware. And I put in the, the elbow grease and, and, and then crash it a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. we're, Oh, spoilers. Sorry. Ahead of ourselves. Um, but yeah, then, uh, I started designing it up and, you know, specking it out. Um, originally actually, um, I had designed it around, uh, 120 millimeter ducted fans and I was going to use, you know, six of them cause the real one has six turbo jets. And as I started catting it up, I, I work in, in CAD and the computer to, to block it out in 3d. Yeah. And then I sort of unfold the parts and make plans. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, I started laying it out from a three view from the real one and scaled it. Basically uh, I scaled the, the real turbojet diameter to 120 millimeter EDF. And then that sort of sized the rest of the, the aircraft. And as I was drawing that up, it was going to be like 16 feet long and an eight foot wingspan um, or no, it was eight, like nine or 10 foot wingspan. Wow. Um, and, and I kind of started getting, you know, wrapping my head around that. Uh, and then I looked at how much 120 millimeter EDFs cost and I was like, maybe we go with 70 millimeter EDFs. How would that work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And sort of quickly re, uh, reoriented, rescaled myself. Uh, and, and so that, that's what, how we ended up at, at the size it was, I think it was 10 and a half feet long or, or 10 feet long and a five and a half foot wingspan. Yeah. And that's still um, a, was the actual one. And that's still a massive, oh, yeah. uh, footprint it was of still, the plane. <laughs> it was, yes, it was still quite, quite massive. And, and I'm glad I early on, you know, shifted my scale because even at the scale it was, it barely fit in the back of my truck. Uh, I had to chop the neck off and make the neck, the forward neck removable. Yeah. Um, and, and the wingtips, the folding wingtips were removable too. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, that definitely wouldn't fit in, in my car. <laughs> no, yeah. no. And so. as I thought back on it, I was like, gosh, if I had stuck with my original plan, not only would it have been, you know, far more laborious and, and intensive to build, I don't think I, I would have had to rent a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no way that would have worked. Yeah. It takes on so. a, a whole different, um, scale of things not not just in in terms of itself but in terms of the whole operation yeah. and getting it you know out to a field and everything so yeah that's it's yeah, probably a, a good tip for people listening to this i suppose um if you want to build um a big plane it's good to scale it around um i suppose other factors so thinking about you know how you're yeah. going to transport it what the hardware is mm-hmm. you're going to use the power plant the battery and then you know instead of just saying oh, i want to make one which has got uh, a two meter or you know 12 foot wingspan or whatever it is you know um right yeah yeah you definitely need to take into account you know your 
what what can you actually transport? What can you build in your space? And and then where are you going to fly it? And um, you know, as you scale up, depending on uh, the forces involved, you know, yeah, yeah, it implies a certain certain things about the power plant and mm. and you know battery requirements and and all that. So yeah, because yeah, things scale up. Um, when you scale mass, it scales with generally with the cube of your scale factor. Yeah. Right. So you make something twice as big and it's eight times heavier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In, in rough terms. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. yeah. You scale it up and you're like, oh, I need eight, eight times more thrust. And oh, no, that's not a good thing. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good to know about those sort of rough um, conversion rates, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So you did just mention then. Um, that uh, it might not have gone completely to plan in terms of uh, staying in one right. piece. So how did things go with the first test flight? So we went out, uh, we finished it. Um, I think I started the project in September timeframe, uh, and then I finished it. The fo- this was in, in 17 and then finished it in the early part of 18. Um, and we got it out to the field, went early in the morning, and... Um, we were gonna, you know, try and get up before any kind of wind picked up, and and I had made this incredibly detailed checklist to make sure I didn't forget anything, you know, putting it together, <laughs> yeah. and you know, making sure all the battery because I had five different auxiliary batteries powering the different systems between landing gear and folding wingtips, and um, I had two, three receivers on board, <laughs> two re- two receivers for. Um, the flight controls uh, and landing gear and all the different systems. And then a third receiver hooked up to a second radio just for telemetry. Right. Because I had a bunch of sensors on board for batteries and, and uh, current and, and airspeed and altitude and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so yeah. getting all of that put together, I had this massive checklist. And basically the pre-flight took way longer than I anticipated. You know, I thought what I thought would take maybe 20 minutes ended up taking like an hour and 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so by the time we got out onto the runway, it's, it wasn't windy, but there was a slight, like maybe five knot crosswind and it was directly cross, you know, like 90 degree perpendicular to the runway. Mm. Um, oh, good sign. <laughs> because it was so, yeah, because it was so slight, I didn't, you know, think too much of it. Mm. Um, so and here's a quick pro tip: never underestimate a crosswind, uh, especially on a maiden. Yeah, you know if there's any doubt, any worry, just wait. You know, take it off the runway, let other people fly, or you know if it's going to be just a minute, you know most other people will be you know, courteous usually. So just just take a minute and, and wait it out. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I just throttled up. I powered through it and I took off and two things then conspired against me uh at the last one was i had set my rudder um dual rates to low or medium because i didn't want to overcorrect on a takeoff yeah. roll yeah yeah so i had reduced rudder authority and then this low five knot crosswind was blowing on the side of the aircraft which um almost half of the length of the valkyrie is cantilevered out in front of its nose wheel because yeah. it is so long. And so all of that area, all that side plate area of the nose sticking out in front of the nose wheel is getting 
uh, a nice little breeze pushing on it. And even a low speed breeze over that large surface area equates to a, a larger force. And it just ever so gently pushed me over into a chain link fence on the left side of the runway. Oh, that and sucks! Yeah. It didn't even get the nose, no, nose didn't even get off. It just it just turned into foam board confetti. Oh, it um, must have been a, a very big sinking feeling at that point. And yeah, I feel very sorry for you that you had to go through that. Um, <laughs> it yeah, it was it was not a fun moment. Um, carrying it back. Uh, I mean, it's weird, you know, thinking back on it when it actually happened, there was obviously immediate disappointment, but my first thought is always just sort of safety and, you know, like making sure none of the batteries were punctured or going to catch on fire Yeah, making sure everyone else was okay and just sort of getting it out of the way. And then once we got it all back under our little easy up next to the runway, that's when it kind of was like, Oh, crud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Looking at this. And, um, I, I didn't really, have i couldn't even like form sentences like everyone around me had had seen other crashes and other things that i'd done and like ah it's all right you can repair it and you know you can uh you know glue it back together and i'm looking at it it's literally in two pieces and half the the whole left wing the whole left side is just shredded yeah uh from a chain link fence working like a cheese grater uh Uh. and and i'm looking at it i'm like no, no. If if anything, it would be a complete rebuild. Mm. And then uh, thinking to that, I immediately looked at my wife and I was like, I don't want, I can't do that to you again. Like take over our dining room table. And, um, and, and she just looked at me and rolled her eyes and she said, come on, you're not going to stop building because you crashed. <laughs> you're going to build something else it might as well be another one of these and get it in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. And yeah. and so I have to give all the praise and props to my wife for that moment of encouragement and so, you know, sacrifice on her part too um, to, to recognize, you know, okay, look, my husband's, he loves to build. He's going to be building. Just, okay, just build the thing again and, and fly it and, you know, get that you know, accomplished. Yeah. Uh, don't let this be the end of, of that story because she was right. I, you know, I wasn't, wasn't going to stop building altogether. This, that, you know, that wasn't going to be the end of my RC career. Mm. <laughs> um, so she's, she's a wise woman. Yes. It's good. To, it's good to surround yourself <laughs> so, with people like that. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So then I, we, we took the parts home. Um, my son and I tore into it and salvaged all the electronics um, we had a great, um, demolition party in the living room, <laughs> made a giant mess and then had fun with the vacuum after that <laughs> and, and then started the rebuild and, and, uh, I kind of, I shifted my focus there too, as instead of going really scale, uh, as far as, you know, the paint job and such, which is something I did on the first one, yeah, which looked great. I loved how it looked, but it, it was a massive undertaking to paint that aircraft and yeah it's and a it lot of surface area level, <laughs> yeah and it adds a level of of um I don't know, anxiety or it's not anxiety is the wrong word just a level of uh tension i guess you know to to any maiden flight when you have this pristine beautiful uh you know aircraft uh so another tip i guess for doing maidens of uh well any project uh, especially big ones 
uh, you know, test it out, maiden it before you commit to any serious, you know, uh, paint job and other detailing. Because if something goes wrong and you don't, you can save yourself a lot of a lot of heartache and headache yeah yeah i completely agree from my personal experience um yeah that's happened to me before and it's not a nice feeling and i can't imagine what it's like to have it on that scale um (laughs) but i suppose on the on the flip side of that maybe you'd you think um you, you you could uh i suppose think that oh you know even if it doesn't fly at least i want it to look good for the photos or something like that even if it crashes first <laughs> that, time but i i suppose yeah that is kind of where i was going yeah you know the first time yeah i suppose you could go down that path but if you do if you do want to potentially save yourself a lot of uh <laughs> a lot of effort then you can i think yeah it's probably the best option just to just to go and fly it before putting all the the extra effort in um with the painting. Yeah, yeah yeah and that's kind of where i've I've kind of shifted for a lot of my my later maidens with with my smaller jets. Um, I'll I'll get a get them to a flyable state, and uh, maybe put a couple of you know pieces of colored tape on the wings so you know right from left and up from down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then just sort of get it in the air, get it trimmed out, sort of get the bugs shake shooken out of it, and uh, and then you know if you, if it lands in one piece then. You've got an airplane. You know, you know where the trim is. You know where the CG is. Then you can go and have some fun detailing it. Yeah. Uh, and if it crashes, then you know, then you you also learn stuff there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you can you can take that and and still leverage it. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, so yeah. what were your um, your steps for sort of reevaluating what what just happened with the whole crash and moving forwards? Was it just a case of building the same? plane again um without the detailing or did you change a few things in in the build physically it was pretty much the same airplane um the yeah i I didn't do the one major physical thing i I changed is i left out uh, i still did retractable landing gear but i did not do uh, i didn't put any landing gear doors on the second build yeah the they they they're a nice scale detail um, and they they look really cool when in operation, and they actually you know they do functionally clean up the aircraft yeah. for for flight, but they were a fiddly just sort of additional um, pain in my neck that I didn't want to bother with the second time around. <clears throat> yeah, so that makes sense. so I did I did the same structure for the landing gear and the same structure for everything else, and uh, but I left off the landing gear doors. I think that's the only real like physical aspect that I changed in the build the rest of it like you said was just aesthetic I I didn't paint it um I I I had I asked Josh if he could um send me a big flight test um uh vinyl with the logo so I could you know just plus so that's why I got a big plastered you know flight test logo uh across the wing yep that looked good uh, representing the brand That's right. Well, yeah, it was. I mean, it's it's more than half of their project, so I, I wanted to to be you know to do it FT style. So that's yeah. why I kind of I felt good about leaving it in the FT brown and just putting some yeah. you know paint paint stripe colors on it. Yeah, it still looked really uh, good. It looks great. It was it was a blast. That was that was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and and then yeah, we took it out the next day, or I mean the next time. So yeah, the first first version of the build took gosh um like 
four or five months maybe wow. to, to get from start to finish yeah. or start to, to maiden attempt. Yep. <laughs> and then V2, uh, maybe, I don't know, a month and a half on the rebuild. Uh, mm-hmm. because I had already done everything. I knew, already sort of knew where all the wires were going to go. And, yeah. Um, so the, the rebuild went a lot quicker, and uh, we got out there and also shortened up the pre-flight checklist <laughs> <laughs> and and actually got it you know out of the truck and onto the runway within about 30 minutes, I think. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of – I did actually wait for the wind, uh, once I got out, out on the runway, so I, I did learn from yeah, that. Yeah, you learned your lesson. <laughs> and yep. yeah, we waited on it and and got out and then got it up in the air. Um, and so the lesson learned for from this maiden or from this flight, because it, it went, it got in the air. I flew one full pattern around the runway, and I was coming back towards myself, going uh, downwind, and it. I was going to bring it in a little bit lower to do, you know, sort of a pass over the runway. And I wasn't quite full into the throttle because I was worried about the structure and I didn't want to overstress it. Yeah. And it seemed, it seemed like it had enough power to fly on like three quarter throttle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one mistake. <laughs> I should have had it just at, at full throttle that it, it needed all the beans. Yes. Um, and so I was at part throttle going downwind, which means you got less airspeed than you would if you're going upwind because, you know, wind's going with you. Your airspeed is lower than your ground speed. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it dropped a wingtip, and a tip stall in a delta wing is a horrendously rapid affair. <laughs> uh, when when that wing, when one wing lets go of lift, especially at, you know, those masses and scales, mm. it just departed I mean, there was no recovery. It, I would have had to be four or 500 feet up for even a possible recovery. And even then it would have been dicey um, yeah. at best. Yeah. Um, so it just, it dropped a wingtip and nosed into the dirt. And that was the end of V2. Uh, well, I, <laughs> but I mean, that's a, that's a very sad end to the, to the, uh, the flight of course, but I suppose one of your goals was just to get up in the air and to fly. And that was, exactly. that was a, you know, fa- fantastic job. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, all of the, Thanks, all yeah. of us at Flight Test were very, very impressed with that. And and everyone in the community who saw the articles on it and everything. And, yeah, it's just amazing job all around. Thank, thank you. It, it was great fun. And I, and I did say from the start of that day, I recorded a couple different vlogs uh, for my own channel. And I, I kept saying, you know, it is it's a success as soon as the wheels leave the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm I am happy. I, I claim you know victory over the airplane as soon as it's in the air, uh, whether it lands on its wheels or on its nose, it makes no difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. So yeah, well, again, well done, and uh, yeah, thanks, thanks. Um, that was fun. Yeah, looking forward to the next uh, the next big project. Um, so, what would you say are the the main major lessons that you um, that you learned from the entire process? The one of the, I guess the, the biggest overarching lesson I learned was pay attention to what has come before, um, in not only in your own experience, but also in experience of others. Uh, if you're doing a scale build, mm. uh, or a, a scale version of a real, uh, aircraft, something I didn't take into account, uh, from the real aircraft was something that the, the actual Valkyrie flight test program learned in their process 
they they built there was two um, Valkyries built um, back in the in the 60s and the first one was built with zero a dihedral in the wing so it was flat across yeah. and they experienced and the, the test pilots made note of a Dutch roll problem and a Dutch roll is sort of a, a wing waggle you know mode where it kind of rocks uh, it uh, back and forth in in roll and it kind of just it looks like the airplane's in a bowl and it's just sort of like sliding back and forth in right. a bowl yeah, right yeah yeah because uh, there's there's a, just a, a lateral instability, and also it's exacerbated by um, the, the the flat wings can't are they're all they're all they're fighting for which one's going to be more level, right? So in a perfect world with flat wings, both of them are making equal amounts of lift, and everything's fine. You're going to be flying along straight and level, but that's never the truth in in reality. Mm. Uh, one wing is going to, you know, bank a little bit more this way, or it's getting a little different, you know, flow from a crosswind over this way. And so when you have both wings perfectly flat, um, they're always going to be trying to, one's going to try and push the other one over a little bit. Right. And that's what causes this Dutch roll. Yeah. And a little bit of wing dihedral allows the lift vectors of the two wings to intersect at some point far above the aircraft. And it makes for a pendulum um, stability, <clears throat> sorry, it, it makes for a, a, a stable pendulum situation where the two lift vectors are sort of hanging the aircraft. Ah, that um, makes a lot of sense. On, on them. Mm. So that's why adding a little bit of, of dihedral um, gives you some uh, statics um, or some, some built-in uh, stability in that, in that roll direction. Yeah. Because they're always trying to self-right instead of fighting to tip the other one over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on aircraft uh, or airframe number two in the in the real build the real project they added five degrees of wing dihedral and i didn't uh learn that i, I didn't read into that until after <laughs> my project was all over and i just i was still so fascinated by the project i kept reading up on it um and then i found that out i found out there was a difference in the in the configuration of ship one and ship two yeah so that so things like that you know read up on what you're building and and read up on it fully and you know and understand the the differences and and things that they learned from so you can apply those because uh, I definitely experienced in my build um, it had a, a Dutch roll problem yeah. I had it, it when it at lower speeds um, it, it definitely had that that wing waggle going to it and that's what eventually put it in the ground it got into a Dutch roll mode and then it it, one of the wings just departed lift and it went in. So I, I experienced the same thing yeah, <laughs> that they did. <laughs> that's really interesting that you actually did, you know, two airframes, um, like the like the real um, the real project. And yeah, it's a shame that you didn't you didn't um, find that fact out. Yeah, it's a shame <laughs> I didn't know that factor before. Yeah, you could have you could that have that would have helped. Yeah, directly and and uh, included that in the the revision. Um, yeah, but oh well. I, I suppose maybe down the road, if you feel like doing a third one, um, yeah, maybe a smaller yeah. one or something. <laughs> so what is uh, your plan for the next year? Have you got some other uh, big projects coming up? So, um, I have some, uh, some that I can talk about, some that I, I want to hold back a little bit. But um, yeah, so I'm planning on coming to Flight Fest. That's definitely on the, the roadmap. Um, coming to Ohio. Um, I've got some fun stuff planned to do on site there. Um, and anyone who's been, um, following, uh, 
like either my feed uh, on the Facebook or on the FT fans page or even my channel um, may have seen that I've started doing an F-18 Super Hornet. So I am in the process of refining that design and that build. And so that I'll be putting plans out for that uh, before Flight Fest, definitely. Um, hopefully, hopefully within the next month or so. Uh, I want to get plans and a, and a build thread going up for, for that uh, on the forums so people can have fun with that too because it is a fun, fun jet. Uh, it's built around the same 70mm ducted fans as the my A4 and the F16. But being a Super Hornet, it's obviously a twin. Um, and because, I don't know, because of the way it, it you know, it, it worked out, uh, it's not that much heavier than the F-16, but it's got twice the thrust, so it can do almost unlimited vertical. It's it's a really fun jet. Yeah, awesome. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will be excited to build one of these. There's a couple other little things. Um, I, I'm working on um, some prop planes. Uh, I want to. I don't want to give it away too much yet because they're they're a bit of a departure for me, um, but I think people are going to like them. It's it's different. Um, than anything I've done before. Cool, cool. Uh, as far as because I've done mostly jets. Yeah, so you've got a bit <laughs> of a designing reputation for the the EDFs on the forums and everything in the in a good way. Yeah, yeah. But that'll be Thanks, yeah. interesting uh, to see what you come up with. Um, so uh, a bit of a uh, a more abstract question, I suppose. Um, what would you uh, build um, if you had unlimited time and resources? Because I'm interested to to hear what you would what you'd come up with. <laughs> So, oh man, that's a that's a really good question, and uh, a few things come to mind. Uh, like, I immediately go to stuff that I've done, uh, but then I don't know. So my first thought was I'd want to redo the C seventeen that I did, mm-hmm. but bigger and like with more i love adding little mechanical details because uh, I, I did that was my major it was mechanical engineering and so i love ah, um yeah. not not just visual details but i love to have stuff that you know moves and and sort of brings an aspect of the airplane to life and uh on on my little c17 uh, little it was a four foot span <laughs> um on that one, it had working um, flaps, uh, which the C- that's one of the main things that the real C-17 is known for. is called blown flaps, is where it basically, you drop the flaps down into the jet washer of the engines and you sort of make lift with your thrust and that's how it can take off and land so short. Ah, okay. And so I, I did that. I had these, you know, flaps that drop down into the EDF, um, you know, uh, jet flow. But I'd want to... so if I could make it bigger, you know, and, and then do the blown flaps and do slats and like real articulating and you know, retractable landing gear, the landing gear on a C-17 is like a ballet of mechanical movement. It's really quite amazing. If you can ever find a video of the landing gear retracting, I know I sound like a total nerd <laughs> right now, but the, the way the C-17 landing gear um, moves is just amazing. Um, yeah. and I'd love to like do that. And then the cargo bay, uh, but then part of me also thinks, well, I've done that before. What else, you know, um, what's some, what's something crazier? Um, and, but then, so the next idea I thought of was doing a Valkyrie, but with turbines. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, that would be cool. Because um, yeah. thinking about the spirit of your question, you know, really, you know, unlimited time and resources. Okay, what would I really think, you know, what would be a crazy thing to tackle? Yeah. Um, and I looked I looked this up. No one's done a turbine Valkyrie yet ah, uh, in well, RC. Yeah. There have been a lot of ducted fans um, at, a lot of <clears throat> at lots of different scales, um, but no one has done a turbine-powered Valkyrie. Um, probably for good reason because one RC turbine costs like uh, two grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this so, could get expensive. <laughs> that would be that would be nuts. But hey, we're we're talking about a you know a fictional yes. project with unlimited resources. So exactly. I think a turbine a, a turbine Valkyrie would be um, amazingly uh, epic and ridiculous, yeah. and that that would definitely be up my alley. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that fly. That would be amazing. I imagine it would sound amazing too, uh, having all of those oh, yeah. it, jets in it. Yeah. It, it would be, that would be, uh, and you might even get that, you know, good old 60s black jet smoke out of the back. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool, 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 cool. Awesome. Right, um, so. I thought we'd do a, um, a bit of an experiment now. Um, I hope you don't mind, Ben. Okay. But you're going to be my guinea pig on this we've not done this on the on the um the podcast um so far but i thought we'd do a little um uh, quick questions round so this will be like uh just a few sort of quick fire questions um all right and yeah you have to try and answer them i'll do my best to quickly. have quick fire answers yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes if, if you want to expand on anything no problem but yeah we'll see how it goes uh this will be interesting <laughs> all right you've already got me pegged yeah. i'm a storyteller <laughs> All right, let's go. What is your favorite RC plane? Oof, A4 or F16. Nice. Th- those are the ones that you designed the um yeah, the one the I mean, ones. Yeah, yeah, going from uh, quick answers, yeah, the the A4 is the first jet that I ever designed, so it's got a special place in my heart uh, as does the the real A4 and uh, but the F16 was one of the first jets that I really feel like my design came together and worked really well. Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of that one. And it fly, it, it's, it's little more difficult than the A4 to build, but it flies so, so much better. I mean, it's, it, it's, uh, I'm surprised at how well it flies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's a really cool one. Awesome. Um, okay. Next question. Um, on the theme of RC, who has inspired you the most? I'm going to have to, do another split answer between <laughs> um, <laughs> Josh Josh Orchard mm-hmm. and uh, and and probably Josh Bixler um, for very different reasons. Um, Bixler just because of his passion for um, you know getting people um, together using aviation as a tool. Yeah, um, I've really loved that sort of underlying mission of flight test and. Uh, Orchard has has inspired me uh, in his, uh, I mean, his, not just his, his attention to detail, which is well known in his builds, but um, he's not afraid of that. You know, like his his lack of of fear of when it comes to just tackling a, a really hard project, you know, or something that would appear really hard to someone else. But he's just like, no, we'll just just take it slow and work it through, and you'll get it done. Yeah. That's really just take cool. your time and 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 go after it and and don't be scared and and just just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a really good philosophy. Um yeah, I get that vibe from 
yeah, from Josh. Yeah, that's cool. Cool. Um, all right. Um, what's one film, video, or book should the listener watch or read this week? Well, okay, well, if we're just going from the top of my head, I'm going to say uh, the, the Hobbit audiobook um, read by uh, Rob Inglis. Um, and not to give too much of a plug to, you know, like a, a specific version, but, um, I, I love stories and I love, I do love reading, but I'm, I, I've, since I've discovered audiobooks, um, that definitely fits my, uh, uh, lifestyle better. Cause I can listen to them on my drive to work. I can sort of listen to them once in a while while I'm working. Uh, you know, if I'm just focused on, you know, not like having to talk to anyone, yeah. um, I don't have a whole ton of time to sit down with a physical book, you know, at home somewhere and, and read through and, and the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series are massive, massive pieces of, you know, literature, but yeah. in an audiobook form, they're much more digestible. Mm. And this particular version, the reason I'm, I'm poking at it is my wife found it at the library and, and said, here, you've been wanting to read this, you know, do the audiobook. I found this one. The guy who reads it, Rob Inglis is just um, the, a master of voices, uh, and he just does, it brings this story to life and it's just such an amazing, um, version and, and rendition of it. Yeah. It's just really cool. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'm the same with, with books. I'd love to read more, but I just, yeah, my style of, I want to do something else at the same time. So audio books, I need to get mm-hmm. into those. I think, um, yeah, they're, they're really good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, Next question. Um, what is your most memorable moment from a flight fest that you've attended? Um, well, so the first one that comes off the top of my head was from the first flight fest that I went to was, I went to uh, flight fest 2016 and, uh, I also brought my wife and son mm-hmm. and, uh, he was only three at the time, which, uh, is probably a little too young, uh, especially for bringing um, youngins across the country. Yeah. Um, even even still, though, he had a great time, uh, you know, doing what he could, and like we made some little truck gliders. And yeah. Um, the the moment though that that sticks out is uh, is just a picture of him that some that uh, actually someone else took and then shared with me uh, uh-huh. of him holding because uh, I had a second transmitter for him that we do body box. Yeah. So he's got, he's got this, uh, ma- on him, you know, this little three-year-old is massive Tyrannus, um, <laughs> hanging around his, hanging around his neck, um, holding onto this little, you know, foam truck glider, walking along the, the orange uh, fence line, you know, by the flight line there. Yeah. Um, and sort of just walking around, you know, kicking, kicking straw over and, and just sort of seeing him there, uh, with, with his own little radio and airplane. Um, that's a really uh, a real special memory yeah, for me. That's so cool, man. Um, yeah. yeah, but there have been many other, you know, I guess you know, pro- projects that I've done there and memories. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, really, really fun. But yeah, so that's many. A special yeah, you probably moment. could talk about them for for hours and hours and hours. It's, yeah, and I'm sure we will at the next <laughs> the next flight fest. We'll be able to catch up again and do do all that. Definitely. Yeah. I'll tell you what, one of my memories from um, from the last Flight Fest, um, or not the last one, but the, the last one in Ohio um, in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, was was standing on a um, 
on this bench, and then you you popped up and you you stood next to me, and we were both watching this um, huge like flying wing that was just about to take off from the the runway, and it must have been several feet wide. Do you remember this one? And it took off and backflipped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was that was spectacular. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> yeah, p- people can yep. watch that actually on the um, flight test. Uh, flight fest recap i think it is or the or the best crashes of flight mm-hmm. fest video you'll, you'll probably recognize the one that we're talking about here so oh yeah, yeah it's uh that was a easily a 12 foot span yeah uh or more i mean and it was all um it's not fiberglass but it was all it was all wood and you know like plastic covering yeah and, um <laughs> and it, it was a it was a very well well done build and i don't know they maybe just they just got the cg wrong yeah um, yeah, but it was it would I definitely would put it in the category of best crash um, because it after it crashed it, it pretty much the it was just the wing one of the winglets that was busted yeah, it didn't so you just fixed the winglet mm. and yeah. <laughs> it was fine <laughs> yeah oh that yeah or maybe that's the maybe that's the worst crash because it was still flyable <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was certainly spectacular with the um, the bang it made oh, yeah. <laughs> and also the noise when it sort of took off and the, the prop was making a really loud noise and then it just mm-hmm. went like up into the I'm not gonna impersonate it, but it went up into the sky and then suddenly just cut the motor and it sort of smashed smashed straight into the ground and yeah, we both looked at each yep. other I think and we were like, Well, that was a short flight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, good on the pilot for bringing it back down, you know, oh. keeping it keeping people yeah, safe yeah, too. Absolutely. That was a good job on his yep. part. Absolutely. All right, um, very uh, last question, the very last one. Um, okay. What do you think the main value of the hobby is? For me, I think it is a great way to practice and learn not letting fear or failure or the fear of failure paralyze you. Yeah. Which is a skill that can serve you in every aspect of your life. Um, people in general, we can get, um, you know, paralyzed by that fear. And, and one of the most universal things to everyone is the fear of the unknown. Because uh, once you, you know, identify something, um, like, uh, you know, if you're in your house at night and it's dark and you hear a noise, that can be a fear. But if you knew that noise was, you know, a cup falling over or your cat scratching at the floor or something, yeah. well, that's not a fear anymore. You know what it is. Uh, it's the fear of the unknown. Mm. And, um, and that it manifests itself in a maiden flight. You know, how's it going to fly? Is it going to, you know, be nose heavy, tail heavy? Is it going to, you know, be, get blown to the right or left? How am I going to control this thing? The more you practice those things, the more you do that. And the more you, you know, crash on your maidens and, <laughs> and the more you, you know, get past those things, the more you have, practice at overcoming those those little fears and the more you have practice at overcoming little fears the better you are at overcoming bigger fears and and so on and so forth and so it's a um it i won't say it's for everyone you know i i I would never claim that you know there's one size fits all to anything yeah um in 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 something like this but it really is a great practice uh, even for people who aren't necessarily airplane people um to to have to have that practical hands-on re- repetition of, of overcoming, uh, overcoming a fear. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I, I completely agree. All right, man. Well, um, I think that's just about it. Um, where can we send people to 
see your stuff online? So I'm uh, pretty active on the FT forums. Um, my handle there is mid seven night and also on the FT fans, you know, Facebook page, um, well, just my name there. And, uh, also my YouTube channel, uh, which is, um, just youtube.com slash Ben Harbor. Uh, I, I, it's it's pretty airplane heavy, but I also throw up some silly, you know, fun family stuff uh, once in a while. Yeah. Uh, it started out as my own personal, just put anything on it, you know, from my life channel. Uh, <laughs> and over the years, it's definitely become RC heavy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think those are the, the main. Oh, I do actually becoming a little more active on Instagram, and I'm also mid seven night on Instagram as well. Cool. Um, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, well, I'm sure people will be checking out your stuff. And yeah, again, um, if people haven't seen the Valkyrie video, uh, you can go and um, watch that on Ben's channel. And um, yeah, see see what happened for yourself. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks thanks so much for coming on, uh, Ben. And it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. And I'm sorry it's taken so long to get you on, but um, it was great spending no, no an hour with you. And yeah, looking forward to the next time. That was the Flight Test Podcast this week. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to help us get noticed on iTunes by rating us. It's great to see this podcast reaching more people and having you know, a good impact on people and getting more people involved in this fantastic hobby and the whole world of aviation. Oh, by the way, um, there is uh, also... Of course, the as well as the Corsair um, kit that is available. Remember that there's uh, we've released a, a book recently. Um, that's on you can get on Amazon worldwide. So if you're, it's worth mentioning that because uh, you know our store is mainly based in the US, but we do have some products on Amazon, including this book, um, and you can get it on there. It teaches you all about RC airplanes. Um, it's a great introduction, a great uh, introductory guide. So uh, you can get it for a friend, get them involved in the hobby. Um, and yeah, it's pretty easy to read. Um, yeah, it's just a great sort of handbook to have on your on your shelf um, to, and to support flight tests with. So yeah, check that out. Make sure that you have a look at that. Um, yeah, and let us know what you think about it. Um, yeah, thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll catch you again in two weeks' time on uh, on Monday when this podcast comes out, as usual. Yeah, so we'll catch you then. Thanks for listening. See you later.